0: Hello and welcome to The Week at Work. My name is Michelle Byrne and I'm here with my co-host Conor McCabe and as always we'll be having a look at the newspapers and stories of the week from a left perspective. The Week at Work is a part of The Left Block, a political education and media project and you can find out more information or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash K um connor yourself and dave did a little extra special pod during the week where you looked at the alternative budgets of the opposition parties which is a really interesting concept um i quite enjoyed listening back to it myself it turns out you had a few other listeners um who had some thoughts on it too um do you want to to comment on some of that fill us in
1: yeah i mean um i got it like like it's 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 always good getting kind of feedback, but um, I got a call from, like, Pierce Thortley over. So, so Pierce rang me <laughs> um, about just the thing, and, um, you know, he wasn't, like, you know, like, just first of all, you know, um, like he was, you know, um, you know, he was very kind of respectful, you know, uh, he, like, he wasn't happy with it, but, you know, he was, like, I mean, that whole image, that's poor you know, Pierce is the shouty you know kind of like uh, uh, you know kicks thing that's all just nonsense really you know so like you know he wasn't there was three things in it that that he wasn't kind of really happy with and he thought that like, they were unfair and that's what led him to call and um, the guy was chuffed because like it's great getting uh, like feedback I mean you know um, I'd be I'd be used to in a kind of academic kind of setting where you have kind of peer review and they've uh, and the problem doing kind of this type of work is that there's no one really who can bounce stuff off. So um, if I got something wrong, like I'm, I'm well used to getting that kind of feedback in an academic kind of setting. And it can be, you know, like, you know, it can be kind of quite kind of rootless. So, yeah. you know, Pierce had his thoughts. So.
0: And just for context, sorry. Pierce is Sinn Fein's uh, spokesperson for housing, just for listeners.
1: For, no, he's not, he's We're not, he's
0: finance, he,
1: finance, oh my God. <laughs> you know, he's the finance, uh, spokesperson. So, so there was three things where he said that he thought it was unfair. Well, the, well, just not kind of unfair that, uh, like that, um, I was wrong. So, um, so what I said, I do was like, I said, um, I said that I would like write down his, his, his comments, uh, reflect on them and give it as much time as we gave it there last week for for balance because you know i did go through the budget in detail he's it's his view that i got things wrong and i want to go through just the kind of three areas where he said that that i got kind of things wrong and then i've i've done more research since then and um i'll give kind of some kind of context there so the first one was um, on the rent uh, tax credit. And uh, he said that um, I had picked this up wrong. And uh, he was right. I had. Um, I thought it was, a, it was a tax kind of rebate, but it's a tax credit kind of rebate. And the difference being is that um, at the end of the year, with a tax credit kind of rebate, you get paid for any kind of tax credits which you've unused. And I didn't really kind of pick up on that. And he said, that's the scheme. So I had second kind of last week that, you know, this could be a kind of, well, sorry, kind of during the week, that this could be a like transfer from non-tax paying kind of rent uh, payers to kind of tax paying kind of rent payers. And that's not the case. I'm more than happy to kind of give that kind of clarification. I was wrong there. And, uh, you know, and, and, and Pierce is right to kind of uh, pick that, you know, to kind of uh, pick up on that, you know? So, you know, that was, that's not the case. That's not the scheme at all. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a rent kind of credit uh, scheme. And he then said about kind of that i had said about austerity and he like, you know, he really wasn't happy with this. And again, I can really kind of understand it because um, like, like Pierce Doherty has been fighting against kind of austerity his entire time in the doll and in the Shannon that's close on like 14, 15 years, you know? I mean, he has a, an extremely uh, powerful track record of kind of defending kind of working class kind of communities and, um, and his own kind of communities. And he, and he does it brilliantly. Um, you know, he's easy kind of one of the best, if not the kind of best performer uh, like in the doll. So, I can understand when I say that this budget um, seems to kind of um the budget by kind of Sinn Fein would appear to have austerity elements in it. I can well believe why he would he would say, like, what the fuck, are, you know, you know, are you talking about? You know, based on based on not only his track record, but Sinn Fein's kind of track record. That's obviously nonsense. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, how could you kind of say this, you know? And um and again, like, you know, that point about kind of Sinn Féin is that, like, like it's my view, and it has been for years, that the problem which the middle class have with kind of Sinn Féin is not that, it's not the North, it's not the Troubles, it's not the IRA links, it's that, it's a working-class party. And that's them, you know? So to have someone like kind of, you know, kind of pierced, the, uh, fiercely intelligent and um, articulate kind of working-class uh, like politician fighting on behalf of kind of class people, you know, I mean, that's what really kind of scares him, you know, and he's, and he's really kind of good at it, but like having said, and then his third point was about kind of borrowing. He says that the Arab borrowing and, and that I got that wrong. Now, um, what I said to do is that um, I would take on board kind of his comments. And then I'd, because I didn't have my work, you know, in front of me, I'd go off, I would check my work again, I would double check it. And if it's wrong anywhere, I have absolutely no problem saying that I'm well used to it. But if I'm not, I'll also say that as well. So, in, so in terms of the borrowing, um, like the issue with kind of Sinn Fein's kind of budget, and I've gone through this time and time and time again, is that um, Sinn Fein have. Additional spend in their budget of 6.1 billion, um, which on paper is more than what Labor are spending in additional spend. Labor has 5.7 billion in additional spend, and the SOC dams have 5.1 billion in additional spend. But the difference with the SOC dam and Labor like budgets is that they cover their additional spend with additional taxation and with borrowing, Sinn Féin doesn't. So Sinn Féin have additional spend of 6.2 billion. Uh, they've got additional like, revenue of 1.5 billion uh, from kind of, new taxes, that's net. They, they raise more, but they give them a kind of, tax break. So it's, it's it's like 1.5 billion. And then they've got the kind of, um, budget kind of fiscal space kind of space of kind of 1.5 billion that comes to 3 billion which leaves a 3 billion kind of shortfall in the in the condition thing kind of budget now this shortfall is not in the labor uh, budget and it's not in the sock dam kind of budget uh the the sock dams spend 5.1 billion They raise 2.6 billion in new taxes. They've got 1.5 billion from the fiscal space and they have 1 billion in borrowing. So that's that covered. Uh, Labour have a spend of 5.7 billion. They've got the fiscal space of 1.5 billion. They've got new taxes of 2.1 billion and then new borrowing of 2.1 billion. There's nowhere in the Sinn Féin budget is there a line... Items saying that they're going to borrow. No, where they're going to borrow. They say that they are going to borrow. But they don't do it. So. They say that they are in this budget, but then they don't do it. Labour say that they're going to uh, borrow and they borrow. So them say that they're going to borrow and they borrow. So on page 22 of the uh, Shenzhen kind of budget. They lay out, it's a table showing um, the, um, the pre-committed current expenditure uh, of 2.1 billion, the core a capital um, expenditure of 1.1. Uh, Shenzhen adds to this by kind of 1.8 billion. And then there's a core kind of, uh, current kind of expenditure of, of like 1.7. So, Sinn Féin is, you know, has a total uh, budget pa- uh, package of, of like six point two billion, and the, and they're saying that we propose to fund our investment plan through a combination of progressive tax measures and sustainable borrowing where it makes sense. So, so just say it.
0: So the attention was there, but do you reckon it was an error that it was omitted, or
1: well, just well, just kind of row back here, they're saying saying that you're going to do something and doing something are two different things. So you can say, I'm going to borrow. But it's not in your budget. This is a budget. It's budget 2021. They may have said it in like other documents, but you stand and fall on your budget. What they do say is that we plan no additional borrowing for current expenditure. So they say that they're going to borrow but not going to borrow for current kind of expenditure. I'll, I'll, I'll get into that kind of detail kind of later on. And then you say that we are proposing to an increase in capital expenditure now and over the medium term. That's in the same kind of paragraph. If you read that quickly, you might start thinking that because you say we plan no additional borrowing for current expenditure, but we are proposing an increase in capital expenditure, you might you might believe that they're saying that they'll borrow for kind of capital, but that's not what it says. It says we are, we are proposing an increase in capital expenditure. It does not say we are proposing an increase in borrowing for capital expenditure. Now, this is something that we see in kind of government documents all the time. And it's here as well. And the fact that they have no additional borrowing for for current expenditure is reflected in their budget. And the fact that they are going to increase capital expenditure but not borrowing in this budget is reflected in their budget. So, what we have time again, just going back to it, is Sinn Fein have an additional spend of 6.2 billion, additional revenue um, from fiscal space of 1.5 billion. New taxes of 1.5 billion, which leaves 3 billion, which means that they have 6.2 billion of line items in their budget, which are listed for kind of expenditure, but which, are, which they say is additionality. But the additional funding is only half of that. So where's, where's this kind of 3 billion kind of shortfall going to come from? Well, how Sinn Fein does it is that they seem to, just on their budget, as I said kind of like during the week, they go to what I called kind of last week the kind of standing still money. And this is the money that is kind of pre-committed. So if you bear with me, uh, I like, you know that, that this may get kind of, this may a, a big kind of uh, wood for the trees. If it, if it does it all, please like jump in, like Michelle, and just explain it because, you know, in my mind, this is all clear, but it might be the case. The, the issue here is that uh, the government walked into this kind of uh, budget cycle with four point seven billion in funds. Right? Three point two billion of that um, was on pre-committed ex- um, uh, expenditure. Three point one of it, the, they were they gave kind of half a billion in like tax you know, measures, leaving them with. A one billion to kind of play around with, right? When I went to the Finnafall, or sorry, the Finnafall, to the government budget, Finnafall and Finngael budget, they give a breakdown of that pre-committed expenditure. If you go to the budget twenty-two, budget twenty-twenty-two expenditure reports, starting on page fifty-seven they start kind of, you know, you know, kind of listing what they mean by pre-committed um, expenditure. And that falls under four headings. So those four headings are demographics, carryover and other existing their levels of, of service uh, pressures. There's allocation from the central pay agreement. And then there's the national kind of development plan. When you add these up, they they have put aside five hundred and seventy eight million for kind of demographics, nine hundred and fifty nine million for crossover and other existing levels of service pressures. They've, they've put aside four hundred and seventy six million for for allocation from the central pay agreement, and they've put they've also put one point zero five four billion to the national development plan. So, all that money has been kind of like allocated even before Pascal Donahue stands up and starts kind of announcing his measures. Now, Labour and Sinn Fein, no, Labour and the SOC Dems also allocate this money in their budget. And then they have additionality of 5.1 billion or 5.6, but they've got additional new funds to borrowing and new taxation to cover for that. Sinn Féin does not like allocate any monies for these things. So for demographics, for carryover and other existing levels of service pressures, for allocation from the central pay agreement or from the National Development Plan, it's not in our budget. It's just not there. So. When I said, kind of, you know, kind of, yeah, like during the week, that this would have, if this, if this was a government budget, if Sinn Féin, in government, and this was their kind of budget. Given the figures they have given us in their budget, the only way that they could have that 6.2 billion of additional spending is to, is to scrap the central pay agreement to get rid of it, because they have no kind of funds for it. To not factor in, you know, kind of demographics and not factor in a, 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 a carry over other existing levels of service pressures not, and also to not kind of fund any of the national development plan for this year. Because it's not in our budget. It's in the government's budget. It's in the SOC budget. It's in Labour's budget. But it's not in the Sinn Féin budget. So what that means is that during the week, I had said that, you know, that the government had had set aside roughly 5.6, oh, sorry, 3.6% for current demographics, which worked out around 3.1, 3.2 billion. Um, So I had said that based on that, all things are going to be equal. That would lead to a shortfall in education of 188 million. And I was wrong on that. I was wrong. Because the actual figure is 453 million. Because that's how much has been set aside in education under those four kind of headings. So it's much more. Yes. So there's a shortfall in the Sinn Féin education budget of 453 million, which they have to spend For demographics, existing levels of service pressures, for the central pay agreement, um, and for the national development plan, which is not in their budget. They've spent the money, they've listed in their budget, it's listed line items, everything that is going on, but it's not not there. And just on kind of education, this is is where my, this is where the kind of disconnect happened in my own head because. When you look at the line items in the Sinn Féin budget, every single one of them in education, in health, in housing, and in social protection are all solid left-wing social democratic provisions, which you would expect from Sinn Féin. The problem, as I said during the week, is that that's, there's, a, there's a disconnect with the you know, left-wing, social democratic policies, options, and the fiscal element that is being put forward here. There's a gap of like 3 billion. And that's what threw me. When I first looked at the figures, um, I thought this, you know, apologies, like in advance, I'll, I'll probably get kind of more calls from kind of other people now over this. But I thought it was Labour and the Sock Dems who are probably pulling a bit of a fast one. Because I wasn't expecting it from like Sinn Féin. I fast one is probably, I, they, they kind of look, a wrong word to, to like use or phrase. But I thought it was it was um, Sock Dems and Labour who maybe had said five point one billion spent, but the but really it was it was three it, it was two billion because the three point two was factored into that. You know what I mean? Like you know, so just That's in there,
0: still money, isn't it?
1: Yeah. yeah, so I I assumed that that the sock Dam additional spend of 5.1 billion included the standing still money, and they were because, like, on paper, the sock Dam seemed to be spending um substantially more than Sinn Fein, and that just didn't make sense to me. So I assumed that it was the sock them who were wrong. It was only when I went through the Sock Dems kind of line items and their new money that I saw that that, 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 that kind of added up. With, you know, with Labor, I thought they were doing the same because there's actually like Sinn Fein is spending more on kind of new things. So it's spending 6.1 billion, you know? So it's, it's spending almost kind of 1 billion more than the Sock Dems, you know? Until you factor in the, Standalone money, right? So I couldn't, but I couldn't see where, you know, there was more money being spent by the SOC Dems or by Labour. It, they're building roughly the, the, the same amount of housing, the same amount of beds, you know. So when I looked at Labour, their line items came to 5.7 billion and their additionality also came to 5.7 billion. So that matched up. So then I went back to the Sinn Féin kind of budget and did the same thing. Went through all of their kind of line items, which came to six. Well, on my chart, on my kind of uh, spreadsheet, it comes to, to just over 6 billion. But the new money, the additional money comes to 3 billion. It's 1.5 net billion in, in, in taxes and 1.5 billion from the fiscal space kind of budget from, from last year. So the only place where Sinn Féin can get that extra kind of $3 billion for, from because there's no line item, the same kind of borrowing, is from the pre-spent money, shall we say. You know, And that's in demographics, service pressures, and the central pay agreement. So with that in mind, that means that when you bring these back into the Sinn Féin kind of budget, this means that there's a gap there's a whole of 453 million in the student uh, uh, like education uh, budget there's a whole of 802 million in their health budget there's a whole of 781 million in their housing budget and there's a whole of 325 million in like social protection That's huge. and yeah. this and and like it's just because they, they seem to have spent the kind of standalone money as if it's additional spend because their are line items. Now, I said this, I said all of this, well, well, the gist of this to Pierce, and like he was very strong saying, no, Connor, you are misreading this. That is, that is not the case. So I am, as I said, more than happy. If, if, if you know, if, if it can be shown, where, where Sinn Féin have, have, have provided funds for the 6.2 billion in, in addition. Like, really, Sinn Féin's budget needs to be 9.4 billion. Yeah. That's what...
0: The question is, if that was done um, in error, or if it was done in knowingly, um, if it's done in error, then what's going to be done to kind of rectify those figures? Like, how are they going to bring in the taxes another way?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I mean, like, you know, this gets into, you know, I mean, you know, these are budgets. I mean, these are kind of political kind of documents. They have they have a shelf life of less than kind of twenty-four hours. Like, um, like uh, parties put months into these kind of documents and they've a shelf life of one kind of news cycle and then it's moved on. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so 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 even this, like, I mean, everything that I'm saying here now, you know, like like it's it's not going to be a story, you know. In kind of way, like you know, and like uh, I would e- even for this. I mean, I would have been happy just to kind of pick on Dave Williams and kind of slag him off, as he usually do, kind of every Saturday, you know. Um, but well, like Pierce rang, you know. So so I mean, so first like of all, nice. first good. of all, I and like 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 as I said, it was great because I mean it shows, like you know, like you know, he obviously takes. Kind of podcast, kind of serious, and uh, as I said, he was very, he was very, he was very strong. He was very strong his own way. He was very, he was very, he was very kind of respectful, you know. But he was adamant that no, no, you are wrong, Connor. That is factored in. That is factored in there. So, like, like as I said, I've gone over this time and time again. I cannot see a line item where Sinn Fein are borrowing. I can see where they say. That they may borrow like in the future i can see where they say that we won't borrow for current kind of expenditure and even on that like the the can money on the current side comes to uh 2 billion so straight away if they're not borrowing for kind of expenditure that alone shows that there's a 2 billion kind of shortfall in the in the kind of Sinn Féin budget and they don't say that they'll borrow for capital kind of expenditure in this budget. They say that they will increase capital expenditure in this budget. And they don't really because they because how they've done it, from what I can see, mm. as I said, and, and like as I said, I'm used to kind of peer review where you throw something out and then you get people kind of criticizing, and then you walk towards a kind of a general kind of overarching thesis. Unfortunately. As a second kind of during the week, there's no one else who's even fucking interested in this, right? <laughs> so I have no one to bounce off, right? So I'm more than happy. I've, I'd be chuffed to say, hey, this is wrong, as it was on the rent stuff, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you know, you know so, so it's not like, you know, I'm completely infallible here. I'm just, like, you know, but as I said, I've gone back. I cannot see where Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin's budget should be 9.4 billion. That's what it should be. Six point two in additional spend and then three point two for for standalone money uh, in those kind of four areas. And I can't see it.
0: And if there and is like, any other clarity that needs to be made on it for next week, of course, definitely pick up the phone, call us in, message, drop us a line yeah. on Instagram or Twitter, whatever you want. And I well, I mean
1: the other party well,
0: they felt um any of the budgets were interpreted differently and if anyone hasn't at this point listened to the other pod, the podcast that delves into the detail of all of the um all of the alternative budgets, I would definitely recommend it. I find it very interesting um, right
1: there was a, a, just before we, a, a, we, a, we kind of move on and and like, and like thanks for kind of putting kind of time into this i did i did say, you know say, it's, yeah, I, I, I did say to peers that we would kind of give it you know kind of you know kind of decent time. So just going back, he does not agree with this analysis, and it's not a case of even kind of agreeing with it. He thinks it's wrong. And um, similarly, when Pierce Daughter tells you that you're wrong, like on your figures, you do stand like like you sit up and you listen. You know what I mean? Like, you know. But I have gone back over them. I've taken on board his 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 own criticisms, and I genuinely can't see it. I can't see where Sinn Fein have, as far as as far as I can see. Their main budgets in, in like education, health, housing, and social aid protection have a 1.6 billion hole in them, for demographics, service pressures, central, essential pay agreement, and like pre-committed national in, in national development plan. The one a department that doesn't actually suffer from this, and it's only one, is kind of agriculture, that actually did kind of quite well in the Sinn kind of Fein budget, but all the others, as far as I can see, there are. There are issues here, I mean, like even like like when the skibberine eagle um said that I it had its eye on russia, um it didn't expect Russia to ring up and go, What the fuck are you playing at? <laughs> you know, so um like. It did, like, you know, it was, it did, it did, it, 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 it didn't, it did kind of put me on my toes, which is which is always a kind of good thing. Good to keep
0: you on your toes, isn't it, Conor? <laughs>
1: it is, yeah, it is, it is, it is. And like, as I said, Pierce, he was right about uh, the rent uh, line, but I still maintain that if, to, if you don't make an allocation of half a billion for, for the central kind pay agreement, then I do think I was going to justify it in, 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 in like saying that this would have austerity kind of aspects to it. And the problem is that it is completely out of kilter with the line items in the Sinn Féin budget, yeah. which is a left-wing, social-democratic kind of budget. The problem is the, the fiscal their element of it and thanks for the time on this sorry
0: but just to kind of even segue to what you're saying there you know about the the agriculture part of the budget obviously they mentioned increasing the national herd which is very questionable and um, there's actually a story i read the irish examiner this week there's a story as of course it's it's all the Munster reporting but this is a we can't talk bad about cork this weekend when you know the cork jazz is on but there is a story here mm. um and it's cork has the largest dairy herd in the state um, so the cattle numbers are up 1.5% to 7.3 million cows in Ireland. Like, um, that's outrageous when we're talking about like being in the middle, not in the middle, like we're tr- hurtling towards, I don't know what we're hurting towards when it comes to like uh, climate crisis, but the CSO have released stats saying that, um, you know, cattle numbers are up. Um, And the other thing is, and I know like, you know, when we talk about agriculture and all of that, like only 8% of the, the land has been used for crops and fruit and horticulture you know the rest mm. of that has been used for food for and um, for food for cows or cattle um mm. and the cattle itself to great like it's just like shocking um and it, it also mentions how you know um our potatoes sown are down which you know how how do we how do we be Irish without potatoes i don't know um but yeah and apparently we're making a lot more butter than we used to um mm. 152 100, tons of butter um up to 264 so like 74 percent increase in butter where's all the butter going lads um it, they must be exporting i'm not sure it doesn't exactly say it but yeah it talks about like milk prices being up and it also talks about then the price of capital going down but interesting enough it says The sector have produced 1.4% more in 2020, driven by increased activity in all areas, including a number of dairy cows. Like when we're talking about like the IPCC report that was released telling us how horrendous and like the shock and the dismay and the climate anxiety that that caused when that came out. And yet here, the the, the agriculture sector is just tipping along using whatever, um, you know, uh, whatever they do to help um, streamline their activities to actually producing more. Um, And I think we've talked about this before, actually. But it's really interesting then, of course, Eamon Ryan, uh, the Minister for the Environment, is saying, you know, we'd have to bring in, you know, it it highlights that we need new policies um, to reverse these trends. As if he's not in the very role that would do that. It's just like, oh, well, look over there. Um, it's not me that needs to do that. Absolutely not. But it, it goes on to say that we're not going to meet our EU 2020 targets. And I'm not sure if that's going to res- result in fines. But then really interesting, uh, Leo Radcar then says, um, he he says something about like, we're not in favour of culling livestock. Like, we're not suggesting that you just go out and kill all the cattle in order to reduce the methane. But regardless of the fact that that's the whole point, that they're bred, they're bred for culling for eating so like he's mm. making he's almost like i feel like he's like uh, comparing it to like you know oh, there's too many deer in the phoenix park and it's harming the wildlife so we we need to cull them like that kind of reaction no you're literally breeding them to be culled in the first place that's the whole point when we have so many of them
1: but it's just yeah just- well well you know f- uh, you know for for you know uh cold um um on the beef side anyway but like yeah. um well, like I mean, that's been the kind of whole issue. Just in the last kind of since, since the lifting of the cap in 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 milk um, in the last kind of five six years. That like there's been a just a, a massive growth in the dairy element of the herd. Which and with that, then you know there's all of the fertilizer kind of used then as well. Like you know uh, because they're kind of grass fed. But like um, that's where like in, in, in COP twenty six that is that has been kind of debated now um, there are there are two countries that are that are arguing um, for more more cattle and it's Brazil and it's and it's kind of Argentina you know and like that's that's where you get into like there's a real issue here in terms of the climate change and the national herd like in Ireland, and, like, if any, if, you know, if we're being kind of serious about this issue, that has to be kind of tackled. Um, And I don't see much kind of political will to actually kind of do that, you know. But, I mean, like, that is is one of the core kind of elements, and there's no amount of kind of retrofitting is going to kind of, uh, you know, kind of balance that out.
0: Yeah, yeah, and in in the same paper actually on the back page, it talks about how scientists are being lobbied to be little like fossil fuel advice and stuff. But I'd love to know what exactly the lo- lobby that Leo Radker is hearing, and probably Eamon Ryan as well, um, on what they're being told to kind of step away from the the agriculture piece. It's like it's such a a hard thing to touch. It's become so politicized, um, yet it's a huge huge issue, um, massively. Yeah, the 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 piece around the scientists been lobbied is um scientists in the un um are being lobbied by uh countries like saudi arabia australia and japan to uh to play down the recommendations about winding down fossil fuel usage as a means of tackling climate change mm. like i thought we'd move beyond that now at this stage like you know we've like we've discussed before like how like bp have used this whole like oh talk about the personal impact by introducing a carbon footprint and all all of this um kind of language but like it's beyond I without a doubt now at this stage the the impact of the fossil fuel is happening. Um and actually in the same piece there's a little story as well about the Green Party and their relationship with fossil fuel um infrastructure. Um they had the, the Green Party Council. Um, they had it during the week, I think, um, where they have voted against a motion calling for an outright ban on new planning applications for dash centers. So obviously, this has been a hot topic recently. Um, I think PVP brought forward a motion. I think SOC Dems might have brought something as well on it. So, you know, Mm. there's an understanding here that data centres are, like, really bad. Like, at the moment, we have 70 data centres and they're taking up 11% of the national grid capacity, but this is going to go up to 70% of the national grid capacity by 2030. That is not far away um, and that is a lot of great capacity we're already talking about blackouts for this winter and d- did I see blackouts up in I have no idea like during the week or two ago.
1: It was one blackout yeah Yeah, yeah I'm not sure if that was in any double.
0: way related now but sh- it just made me think oh god is this going to be like regular now that you know everyone's going to be panicking um, but yeah so basically uh, the motion uh, w- we had the likes of uh, TD's Brian Leadden and Usain Smith uh, going up against that they didn't like that at all um, and the Dublin Bay South group—I'm not sure who that entails—but they they actually spoke against the the ban. Um, the the motion itself said it would be a ban on data centers for the period of two years, um, unless the plans included sufficient and en- energy from renewable sources. Like to just say, lads, just lay off the fossil fuels. You know, maybe look at renewable options. But the data center um boys have said, absolutely not. We're not doing that. Uh, whichever we want, they've like I've read the quote in a newspaper before, where they were just like absolutely not doing any renewable stuff, fossil no. fuel all it is. Um, so I think what's happened, um, now the the head, headline was maybe a little bit misleading. It's not they have said no to a, a, um the motion on dash center pens, but there was an amendment that put in, was put in, and it said that no fossil fuel burning infrastructure should be installed to power dash centers. So don't, don't build any new ones, um, but they they should. <laughs> They should be required to invest in renewable energy. So, you know, just uh, that, and that could probably bring a whole other host of issues where, you know, we have data centers um, funding all of our energy infrastructure, which should be publicly owned. And that won't be publicly owned, that would be profit driven and probably kept for them. So, even though they're probably using up all the fossil fuel from the grid and have a backup of renewable source, we're still going to be the ones left in the dark if they own those renewable um, Mm. and things as well. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting. The amendment also said that they should not be allowed to run uh, mining of cryptocurrencies, which consume high energy. That's a good amendment. But yeah, so basically the uh, a Green Party, source Senate leadership seem unwilling to support things which they naturally would um and do in opposition. So essentially, the Green Party have just accepted that they are Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and that's it. Like they're not even going to pretend to their own members that their policy mm. should be green policy. Um so that's very um disappointing, but that was in the paper um today. Is there any stories that you saw, Connor
1: Yeah, I mean, like um like I, I, I didn't get to delve into the papers as much as I could because I was I was still doing my homework <laughs> just to make sure. Um, but there was one story that I did see in the indo. Uh one which it I, I made me laugh was kind of Nigel Confarage uh being being kind of tricked again by you know all the all the, all the kind of up to raft stuff, which is just hilarious. Um he uh, he's he's been calling now for kind of um Amadon uh fundraisers. Uh so people are just like having a having a crack with him. And um a big shout out to to Sean uh, South and to Gary Owen. <laughs> so they're just they're just trolling them. But like below that story was one that we have kind of touched on before, which was and the heading is that schools struggle with shortage of teachers because of high rental costs in urban areas. And this and this has kind of um you know, kind of principles saying that they're finding it hard to uh, find and 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 retain uh, teachers because the teachers can't find anywhere. To live, and uh, now, as we know, that's not just teachers; that's that's everything. The nurses, you know? so, I mean it's, the, it's the nursing, and it's retail. Like I mean, like unless that, uh, unless, like I haven't seen anyone argue that the schools can't get teachers because of the p um of the pup payment, you know, which is which is the which is the the argument which you make for like retail. No, it's not. It's it's the same thing. Like this, this is where it gets into. That wider, that wider kind of issue around, you know, investment and investment as kind of, product, as kind of productivity. You know, um, economics will have kind of, you know, kind of pro- will have kind of um, discussions around what is kind of productivity based on what makes a profit, you know. Um, but this is having, it's these issues around kind of social issues that have a huge effect. On the wider economy, um, housing is affects everything, and you know, and this is the issue here. So by by having kind of policies that that continue to kind of uh, prioritize, um, you know, kind of transnational kind of the uh, like landlords, um, this is these are some of the consequences that are that are, that are kind of playing um, kind out of here. I mean, they say that. Um, that 72% of schools have unfilled vacancies due to recruitment and retention kind of difficulties. And that these have become kind of more severe uh, since COVID was first kind of detected in Ireland because people had to, they moved out of where they were renting and now they can't get back in anywhere because prices are just kind of too high.
0: Yeah, and uh, there's a piece actually that in the examiner where Mick Clifford kind of rounds up a couple of the stories actually. Um, everyone's just calling in Joe Duffy now on Liveline to tell them about their housing stories. And we, we know all the housing stories. I'm pretty sure everyone has a story, if not their own story, or someone in their media family's story or media friends. But the particular one that people are talking about is the development in Griffith Wood um, in Dublin Northside. And it was, you know, the, there's an investments uh, fund involved, Grace it was built by Karen Holmes, all of the works. But essentially, what happened is the this couple went to to view um this apartment that was supposed to be two thousand two hundred and fifty to rent a month, which is astronomical for um, I think it was was it a studio um could have been yeah I think it might have been a studio um but then when they got there it was 250, 200 fifty two hundred euro more a month than what it had been advertised for. But then they were told that they have to pay fifty x euro a month for the car. And then on top of that, they were like, oh, and uh, by the way, do you have any pets? And they were like, yeah, we have cats. And they were like, oh, well, that would be €75 Euro a month per cat as well added onto the rent. Like, oh, my God, can we not live, like, renting for the space? We're not renting per head or per how? Like, soon they're going to be asking you how often do you use the couch? Oh, <laughs> that. You know, like, what, what is that about? Like, this has gone beyond a joke. Like, so, like, when they went in, they thought they were renting something for two and two thousand two hundred and fifty and by the end of it they were looking at two thousand eight hundred a month like both of them obviously astronomical figures but that was one of the stories that was put up and then of course the other story that people have been talking about in the last while was about the, the piece of land um i think in kulak um where basically the councillors are like oh the wool was pulled over our eyes we didn't know that they would buy the land and rezone it and then flip it for like 10 times the price so they bought the land for like 2.5 million in 2016, uh, this platinum land uh, organisation from London. And they said, we're going to build so many affordable housing. It's going to be great. You know, we'll, we got your back. It's going to be fantastic. And the Dublin Inquirer actually broke this story. Um, but yeah, basically what they did was they applied for rezoning, They got the rezoning, um, rezoned it for housing, and then sold on for 26 million after buying it for 2.5. Um, so yeah, that's absolutely... What you mean? Um, yeah, I mean,
1: you know, I, like, I mean, this ties into something that we, you know, that we usually of talk about that, like um, that, that the housing kind of speculation that is going on now is not actually in the actual kind of housing kind of buildings or even in the land itself. It's the, it's the, it's the legal uh, paper that comes with that land. So, so all that profit, that was all based on the rezoning and the new kind of legal title. That was put onto it. Any kind of legal paper, the government has complete control over it. Mm. It can actually put as much terms or as little terms of conditions on the issuing of those of those kind of titles as it wants. So there's a very, you know, there's a there's a very kind there's a very kind of, uh, direct by legislative, um, um, you know, kind of the solution to this. Yeah. But there's absolutely no move, and actually, there was no difference in
0: that land. It's just like that road. Paper, as you say, like it's madness. The like.
1: Paper, and it's you know, it's a government cert. Yeah. So you know, you know, it's a government cert. Um.
0: And they'll say they can't do anything. Especially, yeah. What they about on it. the
1: um on the green stuff, you know, there was a there was an interesting story kind of during the week, which you actually kind of raised there with me, kind of uh, like Michelle uh, from Kerry, kind county, county council. And it was the it was the LNG kind of storage kind of uh, it, the kind of facility. There in the site and uh, Kerry uh, County Council has given its approval to two proposals to build a new uh, power plant and gas storage facility at the Barry Longford Conlang Bank uh, on the Shannon, uh, Shannon the Shannon Baghestry, and there was one vote um, against this, and uh, I, 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 and it came from the Sinn Féin councillor, uh Rob Connor Beasley. And I liked his line. He uh, he used the line, which I'm trying just to get the actual. Yeah, no, sorry, it, it was a loan uh, from. Yeah, sorry, from like Kyle uh, Foley. He was the he, He's a chimpan kind of. Uh, but, uh, he's a chimpan kind of. Uh, but uh, counselor, and he said that. Um, he said that, that the proposal was not supported by everyone and that he, he had concerns about the source of the gas that would be brought ashore at the, at the, at the kind of like, facility. And then he says, um, many years ago, whale oil was viewed as a solution to an energy crisis. And I think fat gas will go the same way. And I, I just love that line. Because like, you know, like, you know, he really kind of brings it in that this is how crazy this whole kind of idea of important kind of frack gas gases. You know, I mean, you know, and it's been imported for the data centers, because the thing around the data centers is that they cannot work off renewable wind energy. It's not it's too it doesn't um, it's not as kind of level as they need from kind of fossil fuels so they require kind of fossil fuels in order to kind of keep on going 24 7 until there's a you know there's a kind of a real kind of battery kind of system that is that set up for uh for renewables um they have to fall back on on this so part of the infrastructure like not only will kind of data centers but mess up um our our own kind of energy grid um the plan is to import kind of frack gas to bloody well power them.
0: Yeah. And like, like I, I, I saw that story in the carry man and it was interesting as it, it describes like what's in the planning commission is like a gas fired station, a uh, floating storage in the sea, a jetty and an on, on, storage, uh storage site or on, on land storage site. Like there's a lot in there, but from my reading of that, um, there was one one person voted against uh, backing uh, the Sha- the Shannon LNG, which was a Sinn Féin councillor. But uh, as far as I can gather, the the person who proposed uh, seconded the motion was a Sinn Féin councillor as well. So I don't know what's going on. Um,
1: but oh right, okay. I oh, didn't like because
0: now maybe I read that. I didn't
1: kind
0: of read it uh, from my, from. I my didn't. Book, I,
1: I, I didn't kind of pick it. up on that. Uh, um, like all I got saw was kind of Pat Foley's name being named. Yeah, being and in
0: looking into it, um, I spotted that the Finnegale mayor down in Kerry council actually lobbied the government ar- uh, around the formation of the government for the, the program for government saying that he did not want shannon lng in the discussions because he was afraid the greens would do, uh, use it um in the program for government so he knows damn well what he's doing is wrong and mm. uh, the fact that he actually went out and lobbied for this not to be included in the program for government so um, I know what's going on there and Kerry, but like that's really worrying to see that now. As far as I can see, it's only a mark of um, you know, public support. Um the process still has to go through on Board Panola and all of that. Um, but it's still very, very concerning. And and just on um the housing piece as well, because I, I, I wanna get it in before I um I forget about it from chatting about the other housing stuff. But people might remember the fight for public land on Oscar Trainer Road. It, wasn't too yeah. long it wasn't too long ago. Um essentially what happened was this big developer um Glenn Bay put put forward this plan where they're gonna be making tons of profit and we're gonna sell off the public land for absolutely nothing. And the council were like, yeah, have to you know have to do this, whatever. The councillors, to be fair, after being, you know, listening to their constituents, came around and realized actually no, this is a terrible idea. Why would we sell off public land for absolutely nothing? Why don't we build our own public homes on this public land and Mm. cut out the middleman, cut out the profit making and cut out all of that disaster? Um and to be fair to them, the councillors like they they went the right direction with this. And you know, Oscar Trainer Rhodes Land was supposed to be heading in a direction where the state would be um actually looking at public homes on that land. Yeah. So the councillors came together, cross-party, put their heads together, put forward an alternative plan that the state could, you know, pu- push forward. And what the council staff did was completely ignored that mandate that was passed by council, this alternative plan that didn't involve a private developer and went back to the table with a private developer uh, against the mandate that that staff had just been um, issued by a vote in the council. Like, the undermining of democracy is absolutely disgraceful. Um, But they went... We just went off and went back to talks with Glenvee, and, and have now produced a, a deal with Glenvae again to the councillors and we're like no we didn't like your answer the first time so uh, go again and of course Glenvae are look trying to make it look like they're promising the sun moon and stars but in reality what they're promising is not in the tender so are they even? Even if they do, oh yeah, we'll sign off. I sign off on this. It's not in the tender. Glenvey aren't actually held to deliver any of this.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like
0: won't produce the legal advice that they got that says, oh no, they would be held to it, and they definitely wouldn't uh, renege on their promises because you no know, developers are great, and um, they would never do that to us. And um, as we can see from the boys here who flipped the land, and made ten times the price. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure that Glenvey are just. Um, just as um, great about not not worrying about all of that stuff. But um, there is a vote coming up on the 1st of November on this. And there is a protest happening on the 30th of October that I just want to flag as well. And the details, I think, are with the National Housing and Homeless Coalition uh, Facebook page. If people want to look at it. But to think that the council staff just completely ignored that mandate, undermining local democracy completely, aside from the fact that the government... In reaction to the Oscar Trainer vote, completely tried to strip councils of their decision-making powers on housing anyway by creating the Land Development Agency. This is another stab at it. They were like, "No, we're not happy with just taking all those powers off you going, going forward. We're actually going to mm. go revisit that decision that you made because you didn't like what you did." Um, and it's yeah. just, it's just, it's oh, it's sick to watch. Like.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's my understanding that like uh, just based on what just based on what you're saying there, and that's in the examiner, is it?
0: No, it's absolutely not. Um, this is what the examiner didn't mention, and I feel like you know the job of us in this podcast is to mention the things that aren't in writing. Um, oh,
1: right. So none of this is in it because I mean, I, I just based on what you're saying there is that what that sounds to me like is that um.
0: The Dublin Inquirer have covered this if people want to, to read some of it, but um maybe not in, not as strong as I just covered it there. I'm quite involved. With no,
1: like like um that that um the tender is the tender. Um there would have been other bidders on that tender and Glenn Vay can have won through. Um so they can't if if DCC changed that tender. I presume that the uh, that the losing bidders will sue because now it's a nuclear kind of tender. So whatever promise that that DCC gives to the councillors, it can't it cannot have any legal uh, standing. It can't because if it does have legal standing, the DCC will be sued. Yeah. They will be sued by the losing bidders because yeah. there you have a a tender. That was put out and now has been changed to to kind of uh, to kind of back up one kind of uh, builder. So DCC can't do that. So it doesn't matter what DCC, it makes no difference what they walk in saying we have this. And actually. Surely we know from our own history that any, any, any council, any, any Irish council. Walking into a bunch of counselors saying, uh, We have this gentleman's agreement with a builder. Like, we've kind of been down that road. (laughs) Right. It didn't, it like, it didn't work out well for us over like 40, 50 years. Whatever, what is certain is that the, the staff in DCC cannot give any legal guarantees on that tender because if they do they they'll be sued they'll end up in the high court so it, it doesn't matter what smoke they're blowing up the backsides
0: and, and there's of
1: the councillors because it has no legal standing because if it does have legal standing they're probably breaking the law
0: yeah yeah and like that that's it the, the, uh, the- the the DCC are trying to pull the wool over the councillors' eyes before the vote.
1: They They're they would to, have, you have to break, break
0: you do have DCC, legal And you ask yeah, where's for legal advice. Exactly. So yeah, no,
1: DCC no. would have to break the law in order to have the guarantees in the tender that the councillors are are calling for. They're not going to break the law. So whatever they have, it's just promises. It's just words.
0: Yeah. And um, speaking of another story that's not in the paper, but it should be because it's about Cork and, you know, it's Irish Examiner that I was reading. So I'm surprised it wasn't. Um, but there was a story around Cork renters actually um, during the week around a story where the landlord and some other particular people who he probably hired to come in and get them. Ha, uh, to get them out had gone in and tried to do an illegal eviction in this house um, and something had happened anyway one of the tenants had got their parents down and the parent actually ended up the ambulance had to be called for the parent because it was a health issue Um, entailed I don't know if what happened exactly inside the house but um, luckily Katu Cork and um, the, the tenants union got tons of members down and had a big presence to be like, we're support and get that landlord out, like, you know, supporting the tenants and brilliant, um, you know, immediate action from people in Cork. And that's so why tenants unions like this are so important when it comes to illegal evictions, because the RTB isn't going to help you when you're in the middle of a legal eviction, you need your union to come out and um, to, to show that support. But what was really interesting is the landlord had already got tons of dates already booked in, including this weekend on Airbnb, to jazz obviously but for for days afterwards so he just assumed i'm just going to go in here i've already listed it on booking.com airbnb the works and i'm just going to come in here and illegally evict them because do you know what actually they're students and they're easy targets and they're just going to get them out and they're going to Whoa. make whatever like 10 times the amount on the short-term lets in this space so like that happened during the weekend the, the reason why i bring it up is because uh, obviously we're talking about housing and stuff but and it, it's shocking um, but there is a story here as well um, that that made me think um about um protests as well. And there's a story on the front page, a review of TD's um security after protests. So a lot of kind of far right actors um and um other kind of supporters around them ha- um, have been turning up to some politicians' houses um protesting. Um and that like that's obviously not appropriate um g- given the, like, the circumstances. But Yeah, essentially what's happening is there's a review of the security of ministers because of all of these protests, but also because of the killing of the politician in the UK who was stabbed in his um, constituency clinic and died. Um, But it's interesting, the piece talks about like how most cabinet ministers don't have guard protection, but the T shock, uh, the Taoiseach, and the Minister for Justice and the Minister for Foreign Affairs all have guard escorts. Interesting that mm-hmm. there are four um that that have it, um. But yeah, so it talks about like, but, um, you know, the, the intimidation outside politicians, uh, intimidation of politicians being unacceptable. But I just find it really interesting that this has only become an issue when, like, not that it's only become an issue. Obviously, there's a lot more to talk about, and it's becoming more regular. But in this whole story there's you know we're talking about people being annoyed at particular policies and they're blaming politicians for it we're not talking about the other politicians who've been harassed because of their identity so like Fintan Warfield and Roderick O'Borman have been harassed and like the noose protests anyone remember that like that was based on their identity like a lot of that was because mm. they're they are openly gay men and like why are we not talking about the protections of them and like around people being openly like they there are acts of hate for a different reason
1: as well, and um, but want yeah, to Yeah, I mean, but well, well, I mean, you know, like, oh, sorry, Michelle, sorry.
0: No, no, no. Go ahead if you like.
1: Well, I mean, you know, on that point, I mean, like, it's only been back two years or two and a half years since, like, Martin Kenny, the the yeah. the Sinn Féin TD for for Leitrim, had uh, death threats, mm-hmm. you know, against him um, and his family, and had his car burned out and and, and, and like, attacks. Because he was, uh, he was, he was supporting um, or he was welcoming uh, like migrants and people in, uh, you know, uh, and refugees into Leitrim, Yeah. you know, and, um, and, you know, like, it's like all that, all that, all that kind of, you know, all that intimidation that was going on, yeah. like Martin didn't buckle, you know, yeah. like, you know, like, 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 you know, he didn't give in to the far right. Yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, like, you know, he had his, like, his car burnt out. Mm. There was a tax on his home.
0: But none and, of referenced in it. The-
1: no, no, no. It's only, you know, well, not only because, I mean, it's, like, these protests are wrong on so yeah. many levels. But the main one, like, for me is that if Leo wasn't tarnished, I wouldn't give it, you know, like, like you're, you're protesting against the position. Not yeah. against the, 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 the person. So the position is in his office. It's in yeah. it's in kind of government buildings, or, or is that the doll? Like you know, if like Simon Harris wasn't kind of minister, like like you wouldn't, like you know what I mean? Like it's the it's the position yeah. that they hold that you have an issue with, and that's where those protests yeah. should happen. It's you know, it's
0: really interesting because something the story doesn't cover is the Malcolm Byrne. Senator Malcolm Byrne is introducing legislation making it a criminal offence to target protests outside someone's house, a private re- residence. That's how how it's worded. Now, this mm. is going to cause a whole heap of problems, and um, because the minute you start legislation for protests or legislation, what is a protest? What's no protest? You're going to fall into issues. Um, you know, we've seen what you know the the bill in the UK, the, the Kill the Bill protests came out about, and like how regressive the you know, the stamping down of protests was there to the point where Mm. it's like really, really problematic. And I hope we're not going in that direction. But like someone um, made a point online, actually, well, like if we're talking about protesting outside someone's private residence, does that mean that the protests outside like that example in Cork where the landlord um, was illegally evicting someone and the whole of Katu and people came to support? Would people be criminalised for organising Um, to protect people in illegal evictions? Because the landlord could say, oh, that's private residence. So you're you're criminally now, you're taking criminal action by coming to protect someone in in an illegal eviction. Like, how does that play out? And this is where the questions around criminalising different types of protests comes into question. You know, Mm. what, where... Where
1: is the stock and where is the go, you know? Um, well, I mean, you know, like, you know, if it's, you know, like that's down, that's down identity the of the wording. If it's, if it says kind of office holder, then, you know, that would be quite kind of particular. Mm. If, it, if it doesn't say kind of office holder, then it would bring in stuff. It's it, it like kind of, uh, by Cathy, you know what I mean? Like, so, and, and like Malcolm Bourne, like, I just presume he's doing what, a what many kind of politicians do we just kind of write a bill just to get kind of you know kind of press headings for it you know
0: yeah yeah i'm not sure i just feel like we could be going down in a, a very dodgy path of we like could,
1: yeah you really yeah.
0: you know and like it yeah it's it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and um, there's also another piece here on the front page um around um all of the crack that was had last night i guess the the nightclubs are open um and i mentioned it in last week's podcast you know as i as we know, take going out very seriously. I spend a lot of money yeah. on going out. I go out to club nights all the time. Um, and I'm very interested in them being open up safely. Um, but like bearing in mind, like I, I'm obviously not making money off um, the club night's been open. So perhaps I have a different perspective um in that regard. But yeah, the 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 piece is you know, light club tickets move branded shambolic. So last night, late last night, sometime the government decided that. Um, next week, um, all of these events will have to be ticketed, which is, I think, is a good idea because if you're going to be doing contact tracing, that's the only way you're going to be able to do that. Mm. But obviously, the industry have reacted um, with, with with issues around this or whatever. But aside from all of that, the fact that they were releasing regulation information last night as nightclubs were, people were already in queues, people, nightclubs were already open. Like, I can't blame the industry for saying that the whole thing has been shambolic because the communication from an event safety perspective, you know, event organization perspective um, has been shambolic. Like even it's been, but it's been more shambolic as well for like communicating public health guidelines that like affect everyone. And like how is everyone supposed to adhere to these regulations going out or working in the industry um, if they don't really know what they were? They were changed about two or three times during the week, like over space, a couple of days. We have to add clarity. We have to add clarity. There's been months building up to this. They had this October 22nd date put in the diaries and maybe, maybe, you know, I, I would argue maybe we shouldn't have put a date in the diaries because maybe we should have been led by the actual health, um, what, what the situation was with the public health at the time rather than aiming towards a specific date because maybe... No, I mean, yeah, happen, you know?
1: like kind of Katya Martin has some, has some serious questions to answer here, you know, I mean, but in terms of kind of showing, you know, Showing any kind of leadership on this, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you like, know. Um,
0: I know, you know the industry um, lobby really wanted a date. So they could plan, they could book the international acts, they could do all mm. of that. And I understand why they, they wanted that. But like what it's led now to, in my opinion, because it's quite a couple of gigs that um, my friends had got tickets for this weekend had to be canceled. So like, it was like this big, big lead up um, just led to a greater fall because the regulations came out last minute. They were planning this for months. I don't know, like there was people flying in and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, it just, yeah, it's, I don't know. I just, I feel like you're leading people up to a fall. And I also think mm. that the fact that the guidelines, so the guidelines around hospitality and the, the, the mass gatherings actually fell. They are, they fell on Thursday. So they expired. So last night, nice. Last night, there was actually no laws in place to enforce any restrictions, um, last night, and I assume until the doll can meet again, which is Tuesday, when they can actually pass a law. So this whole bank holiday weekend, you cannot enforce any restrictions around mass gatherings because the government have done it again. Um, it's like when they legalized drugs in 2015 for the 24 hours, like whoop whoop. Except you're getting the whole bank holiday weekend out it. and it's actually you know that like the the drug they legalized the drug thing that was you know that was funny. Um, but like, we're talking about public health and like, you know, perhaps people will, you know, still follow the regulations and all of that. And like, you know, we don't need to be, have like this heavy handed enforcement. But like, my God, it just shows how incompetent the government are. Like, you can't mm. communicate it. You can't create the laws that you're trying to, to you just can't. Like, what? Like, what? Like, <laughs> like, of course, it's shambolic. Like, it's yeah. I'm calling it shambolic for maybe different reasons. The industry are calling it uh, shambolic because they don't want to do the ticketing. Um, but I'm calling it shambolic because of communication, because of the, they can't even do the regulations properly. They can't even do the laws properly. Like They've had this date in the diary for months. Like, what? Sorry, I just... I want the clubs to be open safely. <laughs> it's ready. To yeah. It. And they want it to be done well. And I want to know, as a clubber, what I can and can't do and how to do it safely and all of that. But mm-hmm. I think I do think there was some commentary like obviously some people might have seen the cues of like the pictures of coppers last night, yeah. um, and you know some of the comeback was like yeah well coppers did install in uh, ventilation actually, and it's like yeah okay well you did install in ventilation but like there's always, obviously still a huge other other parts of public health issues there like the queue and and the fact that like it's going to be sweaty mess anyway everyone's going to be on top of each other and all of that. Yeah. But I really, really feel like the government are setting up the nightclub industry to fail. Like, we already know that the cases and the ICU numbers are more than, are high, higher numbers than when we went into other lockdowns right now, even before the we've done this great reopening. The government yeah. are going to absolutely blame the nightclub industry and young people, Don't they will blame the young people as well, for going out, despite them being the ones who are allowing this to happen they're facilitating to happen there's already a problem before the nightclubs open and no one's mm. talking about it
1: no i mean you know it, it's the thing that like they could have spent uh, the last 18 months uh building up kind of capacity in our kind of icu yeah uh, but like units because they they knew that while while deaths will be down um infections won't be you know so um as much and people will still kind of get sick you know um, so, I mean, the, for me, this, this all comes back to, to just like, you know, having that kind of a certain kind of health kind of system plan and not going to rock in kind of that boat and all other sectors have to fall in line and, and, and kind of carry kind of that, that kind of slack down for it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, you don't have any other, um, stories you want to finish on before I finish up, do you?
1: no 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 that's about it you know i had my and i, do,
0: and I know you <laughs> comment on the the property sections um but the the examiner has a property section actually as well um And i won't go on too much about it. it's 40 pages of, of advertisement and i opened the first page and i was like all i could see was the sherry Fitzgerald logo and i was just like oh my god i don't think we no. covered that at the time but like do you remember like two weeks ago the one of the guys who worked in sherry fitzgerald put up like a linkedin post and was like you know um we we can we can like a- absolutely achieve record breaking rents for you landlords and we can source high quality tenants um which is pretty sick to think that like one they're like actually cheering on record breaking rents um and no, just- and then the selection of like the high quality tenants um will be with us and Sherry Fitzgerald like makes me feel ill inside and um, because like we need just need to room over help you please leave us alone but I feel like mm. auctioneers have kind of got off a little bit scot-free actually in a lot of this commentary around property like they really kind of paint themselves as the good guys like I remember I was chatting to one uh, auctioneer actually from Sherry Fitzgerald and he was like oh uh, d- we would never accept, like cash payments or anything like that for a house we're the good guys I'm like how have you managed to get out of all of this crisis with, without a scratch on your back. But anyway, I just thought I'd mention yeah. that um, because I just it, it, um, it annoyed me. But funny story. I will leave it on because I know Dave always likes to leave it on a funny story. And this one's good. And mm. um, I haven't I haven't even mentioned this to Connor. But on page three of the examiner, priest put on leave for TikTok posts. Right. So um, apparently he's been making TikToks. This priest, um, actually, where is he from? Galway. And he's been making a lot of uh, innuendo and jokes about playing highway to hell at funerals, um, which I think is, you know, whatever. Um, it depends on what kind of funeral you want, I guess. Um, mm. But apparently he um, apparently he also made uh, a video that was joking about like, oh, never put me in charge of the funeral playlist because they would include Queen's, another one, Bikes of Dust, or like the Bee Gees staying alive or the dance hit, you'll never see me again. So like... I am obsessed. I really want to see this TikTok. And um, but but anyway, the priest's been put on leave for putting together a pretty iconic funeral mass um, playlist. <laughs> um, but he also apparently was joking about like going on thirsty Thursday and like half past pub time and like going for beers with the lads and all. But like. To be fair, it does say that he used to be a barman and he used to be um, an amateur actor. So maybe he's just like, ah. you know, like I feel like he's just tapping into his creativity and like, you know, integrating it into trying to modernize the church. And like, I don't know, may, I'm sure people would be into that. Like, but anyway, he's been put on leave. And I thought it'd be a funny one to end, but. Brilliant uh, anyway. it's <laughs> This has been the week at work, um, and uh, thank you so much to my co-host Connor McCaven. Thank you to Pierce Doherty as well for his feedback into the show that we, we've we've um, we've added in. Um, and as always, um, we will leave you here. Um, the week at work is part of the Left Block, and um, if you can support us, please share and um, comment. And if you have any feedback as well, we love to hear it. We love to hear it, um, and we'll be back again next week. And um, thanks, and that's all from us.